Welcome to the Code Newbie Podcast, where we talk to people on their coding journey in hopes of helping you on yours. I'm your host, Saran, and today we're talking about how to transition from the arts to tech with Jessica Wilkins, software developer at This.Labs, technical writer at Free Code Camp, and former professional classical musician. So that's where the desire to learn how to code, I said, well, I have some free time. I might as well learn this stuff, build the website, and then I can go back to performing. But that didn't quite happen <laughs> as planned. Jessica talks about transitioning careers from being a classical musician to a software developer. The project about shining a spotlight on Black classical musicians and composers that ignited her love of coding, and how the journey of expertly learning an instrument and learning how to be a successful software developer are actually pretty similar. After this. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So you very recently transitioned into tech. Can you tell us about what your career path looked like before this? I was a classical musician and I was a professional oboe player, which is a type of woodwind instrument there. I had an oboe when I was a kid. Oh, wow. I didn't okay. know how to I use don't... it. I don't know why we had one. <laughs> Never took a class. Around there. Just, just happened to have one in the house. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> well, that is random. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. It's funny because I started playing the oboe when I was 11 and I didn't actually choose it. I huh. was playing piano. Before that, I started when I was seven, just kind of playing for fun and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then I tried trumpet when I was 10 in the fifth grade because they had a fifth grade band. And we could only choose between like five instruments. Mm -hmm. It was clarinet, flute, trumpet, and percussion, and saxophone. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll just play trumpet. But I was really, really, really bad at it. And I hated it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, this sucks. But I love music. And I want to be in band with the rest of my friends next year for mm -hmm. middle school. So what am I going to do? And so my mom used to teach at the middle school that I went to. And she talked to the band director. And he's like, well, I'll talk to her and we can find an instrument. So he talked to me and he's like, you know, you should really play the oboe. And I'm huh. like, I don't, don't know what that is. <laughs> so he went and got one and you put it together for me and got cool. a read. And I played one note on it and it sounded probably pretty horrible. Um, and he was like, great, you can be our new oboe player. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. But at, at the time I was 11, I was like, whatever. So, you know, <laughs> I just went with the flow with everything. And then I started to fall in love with it and decided when I was 15 to pursue this professionally and play in orchestras and operas. And wow. so that's when I started working towards going to music school. So for people who may not be familiar with an oboe, it looks kind of like a clarinet on steroids, right? Like that's the way it feels <laughs> yes. to me. Is that a fair description to you? That is like the best description. <laughs> yes, it's a very difficult instrument to learn because like a clarinet, it just has one reed and then a mouthpiece, mm. similar to like a saxophone, but an oboe has just two reeds mm. tied together and that's it. There's no like mouthpiece or anything. Mm. You have to get the air all the way through the instrument. So it's really difficult to make it sound really nice when you're first learning. But once you get it, then it's like, oh, this sounds really cool, but it can be very finicky and unreliable. And so it takes a lot of discipline and control mm -hmm. to kind of get it the way that you want it to sound like. But yeah, it's interesting how I guess I was like tricked into playing the oboe there <laughs> as an 11 year old. But it, yeah, I guess I should thank my middle school band because it all worked out there. <laughs> so 
2020 happened and for you it 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 seemed to have impacted your life in terms of your career and changing your career tell me a little bit more about that decision what was maybe the the moment the thing the trigger that made you go you know i think it's it's time for me to to do something else I mean, 2020 was just, it, it just hit everybody like a ton of mm-hmm. bricks. And I mean, literally two weeks before the big shutdown, I was at Disneyland because I was one of the music instructors oh, for cool. one of the middle school groups that we were coaching and they were doing a session, educational uh, session with Disney. And so it was Disney, it was packed and all this stuff. And people were like, oh, well, what about this COVID? And I was like, I don't know, that's just going to pass. It's mm-hmm. totally cool. I was so wrong. Like, yeah. Yeah, I was just like <laughs> way off base because two weeks later we were shut down and, and all that. And so for the first few months, I just focused on my sheet music company mm. and was just running that full time. But it was hard because everybody around me, including myself, we just weren't performing. Mm. And we went from a fully packed schedule to mm. everything was canceled and it was like, well, we don't know when we're going to be able to come back. And so the first few months were really tough. And then June hit, and that's where everything got really tough because there was a lot of race relations and tensions right, because right. of George Floyd's murder. And there were a whole bunch of protests happening all across the country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so a lot of people started this conversation in their respective industries about the lack of diversity. And at the time I was in the music industry, but more particularly in the classical world. And there's not a whole lot of Black people in the classical world that are fairly represented. Right, and right. so People were asking me about all these resources about Black composers and artists. And so I just shared my resources that I had collected over the years. And I thought there really should just be a website that people could just go to and learn about this stuff. It's crazy that there's all these mixed resources and incomplete resources. And so that's where the desire to learn how to code, I said, well, I have some free time. I might as well learn this stuff, build the website, and then I can go back to performing. But that didn't quite happen <laughs> as planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fell in love with learning how to code and I started coding through Free Code Camp. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, maybe I could make a career change. I, I really spent the first year of learning going back and forth whether or not I was going to make the switch. And in early 2021, a few things happened where I was invited to come back to start performing under COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm, so it was kind of mm-hmm. awkward because it was mm-hmm. like, oh, we can come back for recording sessions, but you have to wear a mask and you have to be isolated in this area and we have to sterilize it. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, this is not as much fun as mm-hmm. it was before yeah. COVID. And so I did a few of those gigs. And then I, in around, I think it was May or April, I had an offer, a big offer to join the Disney music prep department and work as a copyist and eventually as an arranger and work my way up. And so that was kind of a turning point where I was like, okay, I have this big offer with Disney. <laughs> like, am I going to go take it or am I really going to go pursue software? And so after a lot of self-reflection, I was like, I don't know if I want to jump all in <laughs> into this anymore. And I'm really interested in this career change. So I did not take the offer and I decided to pursue software. And then literally a couple of weeks later, Quincy had uh, reached out to me from Free Code Camp and was like, hey, you're doing so well with your articles. We want you to be part of the staff as a technical writer. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how the, the journey started. So tell me what happened after you turned down the Disney offer, you know, and you said, I'm going to investigate this transition into tech a little bit more seriously, a little bit more deeply. What were the next steps? What was the plan after that? Yeah. So right after that, that's where I really kicked in high gear with my learning Mm -hmm. because I I, I think I was like 
a pretty good student, but it was still just a potential hobby where I was like, right. I don't know if I'm going to do this. But once I turned down the Disney offer, I was like, okay, things well, got serious. Well, now we're going to do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. And so I, I started to just really dig in mm-hmm. and, and you know start creating some more ambitious projects to show off to potential employers and start studying the market a little bit better mm-hmm. and, and start building up more of a network. And then you know Quincy had reached out about. A technical writing job. I was like, oh, that's cool. Let's go do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was uh, working there for a while. And then I was building up a lot of connections with this.labs. And I was like, well, maybe I'll apply there. They're always hiring and all this stuff. So maybe I'll give, a, give it a shot there. And they hired me. And I was so grateful. I'm so grateful that they were like, yeah, let's take a shot on her and, and all this. Mm-hmm. And so my first day was on February 14th of uh, 2020 there. Nice. After that saying no to Disney, I was like, all right, let's do this. Mm-hmm. We're all in now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So fast forward, a little bit of time has passed. You're now a technical writer at Free Code Camp, and you're also a software developer at this.labs. When you look back on that decision today, and I know to be fair, like not that much time has passed, but still, right. you made some <laughs> you know, very significant progress in your career. Knowing what you know now, knowing where you are today, how do you feel about that decision? Do you have any regrets? No, I think it was the right decision. Mm-hmm. I, I have no regrets there. I think I'm glad I, I took the time to kind of think about it. Mm-hmm. I talked with my mom about it, but it, it was the right decision because now my life, I mean, I have weekends. That's hey. kind of a crazy <laughs> concept <laughs> because before it was like, I mean, I've been on gigs where like one of the last gigs I did was performing for the National Football League for their awards ceremony that happens Thursday before the game. Mm. And I had to get there at 9 a.m. and then I left at 9 p.m. So wow. <laughs> it's a full like 12 hour day. And the show's only two hours, but it was all the prep and right. rehearsals Travel. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that was my life was just these long, crazy hours. And now I have weekends again now I actually end at like mm-hmm. you know four or five o'clock wow. and it's just kind of crazy and I, I don't have to leave my house I just kind of walk mm-hmm. over to my office mm-hmm. and, and work and I can go take a walk if I want to I remember the first time I was talking to my manager when I think it was like the first or second week and I had to take some time off for something and I said well I can make it up on a Saturday and he's like no, no, we don't work Saturdays. Yeah, here. we don't do that. <laughs> I was like, no, it's totally cool. We'll just work Saturday. He's like, no, I'm, no it's, not, it's, not a, it's not optional. We don't do that. We're not going to pay you to work on a Saturday. Yeah. 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 I, had, I had a similar experience with one of my early tech jobs. I was working at a consultancy and they were. They were strict about work-life balance, which is kind of like a, mm-hmm. I thought just a weird thing to be strict about, <laughs> but, you know, it would be like six o'clock would be, you know, official office shutdown time. And, you know, I was still really early in my career. I was eager. I wanted to work as hard as I could and prove myself and all that stuff. And I would stay until like 6.30 and people would get upset. Like they would get genuinely upset with me. And I'm like, what is wrong? I'm willing to, I'm, you don't have to pay me for that. Like I'm willing. To, and they were just like, no, we don't do that here. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, it's the same And to be fair, there. that's not true of all software companies, but I think we right, some right, good places exactly. and good ones to work at. So I want to 
talk about what happened with Black Lives Matter and kind of how that moment prompted the interest in learning to code with the website and the resources that you said you wished existed. Tell me a little bit more about that when you're going through that experience and people are asking for your perspective and your advice. And you said, you know, you wish there was a website that kind of had all these resources. What were you imagining in your mind? Is this like a listicle? Is it a newsletter? What, What did that resource look like to you? In the beginning, it was kind of overwhelming because I just kept getting emails from people, especially people I hadn't even heard of from like in years about resources. And I was like, yeah, but I wish we had started this conversation earlier because I mean, mm-hmm. as a black musician in the classical world, we're very aware that we're a minority. Mm-hmm. And the League of American Orchestras did a study a few years ago and they studied black musicians, Latino, Asian, different minorities over, I think they studied a 10 to 12 year period. And they found that black and Latino only represented about 3% of the mm. orchestra rosters. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. black and Latino. Together. Yeah, together. Exactly. So <laughs> the black side, that's probably way less. It's probably closer to like 1%. Ooh. And so we were all very aware of each mm. other in the classical world. And so I was just like, wow, I wish we had this conversation years earlier, and but I guess we're having it now and hopefully we can continue to have it. And so that's what prompted me to create the website, which is called the Black Excellence Music Project. Mm-hmm. And so I created version one with HTML, CSS and JavaScript about a few months into my learning. And then I let it sit for a little bit and I actually used it during a few presentations for Black History Month in February of 2021. And then I kind of revisited it and kind of listened to the community. And I was like, well, I want to add some more games. I want to kind of polish it up. I want to do a Mm. redesign, add some more profiles. And then I decided to release version two. And I believe it was in August of 2021, Mm -hmm. built with React and Tailwind CSS. And that's the current version that's going to be continuing to expand. But the idea was always to have a website filled with hundreds of profiles Mm -hmm. and games that people can play and just have it be an educational website appropriate for everyone. So was the idea to educate people about these issues and how it affected the music industry? Was it to support Black musicians who were kind of already in the industry? Who, who was kind of the, the target user? What were you hoping they would get out of this project? The target users really for those that wanted to learn more about Black artists in the classical and jazz fields from the past and present there. And this site's been used in a lot of presentations at universities and private schools. Mm. I gave talks at just making people aware that all of these great artists exist and we're not talking about them. We're talking about Mm. Beethoven and Bach and Brahms, and those are all great too. But there's so many other great artists out there that we just haven't talked about and they achieve wonderful things during their lifetime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I have seen a shift. This conversation globally is just more people are starting to pay more attention and diversity starting to become more at the forefront and not just forced because there's sometimes where I feel like some organizations are like, oh yeah, okay, we'll just program something just to make them happy. But it's, it becomes so transparent. And I love the fact that we're getting to a point where people are not afraid to call out organizations that are not genuine and they're just like, oh yeah, we'll just placate and just go program a black composer or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's nice that they're being called out and these organizations are like, oh, okay, I guess we can't do that anymore. Now yeah. people are kind of tired of that. 
So one of the things that I find really interesting is over the the decade that I've been in tech, one of the trends that's become super, super popular is the rise of no-code tools, right? No-code or, or super low-code tools. And they're mm-hmm. you know, really powerful. And there's so much more you can do today than you could even five years ago without actually needing to learn how to code and without actually needing to invest the, the time and effort to learn JavaScript or React or, you know, pick your preferred coding language. And so I'm wondering, when you decided to build this project, what made you decide to actually code it yourself versus, you know, using and leveraging some of these pretty robust tools that may have been able to get you there? I think solely it was just time. I think if the pandemic hadn't happened, Mm. and if I was full swing with my career, I probably wouldn't have learned how to code. I probably would have just picked one of those low code or no code tools and kept it moving or something like that. But so I think it was purely time because I was working on my sheet music business, but I wasn't performing anymore. So I was like, well, I have the time now to actually sit down and learn. And if I like it, then I'll keep building this thing out. If not, then maybe I'll find some other solution there. So was it kind of like almost almost an excuse to kind of dig into coding and and kind of try your hand at it? Yeah, it was something that I was just kind of curious Mm. about. And I was like, well, you know, if it doesn't work out, then (laughs) no harm, no foul. I wasn't going to spend a whole bunch of money trying to figure that out. So tell me about that experience. Tell me about what it was like in those early days going from a a purely musical background to, you know, your, your first steps, dipping your toe in coding. What was that experience like for you? It was interesting because I think a lot of self-taught developers go through this where they decide, okay, I'm going to learn how to code. And then the inevitable question is like, well, where do I start? Mm. You know? And so, of course, you Google and you type in like, learn to code and you get all of these options, which is good and bad because mm-hmm. you're just overwhelmed. And you're like, well, I don't really know what's the right option or where to start or how to start and all of this crazy stuff. And so... I started with edX Mm -hmm, and there was this mm -hmm. course on HTML and CSS. And I was like, well, I heard that's important. Heard those are some things. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some some things maybe I should learn (laughs) if I'm building a website. Right, right. So I was like, let's start with that course. And I really liked it, especially Mm -hmm. because they had a whole section on accessibility. That's cool. I was like, oh, okay. And at the time, I didn't realize how important that really was and not all courses touched on that. And so then I was like, well, let's keep learning. And so then I learned about Udemy and I was like, well, Mm -hmm. that sounds cool. And (laughs) these like $10 to $12 Mm -hmm. courses, I was like, well, I have $10 to $12 (laughs) to start learning there. And so I started doing a couple of Udemy courses Mm -hmm. and really started enjoying it and kind of started building out the app there. But then I wanted something with a little bit more structure because I was just kind of bouncing around to random stuff. Mm -hmm. And so with some more Googling, I found Free Code Camp and I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. what's going on here? And I like the fact that you can build mm-hmm. projects. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably the next big step that I need to do is build some projects. Mm-hmm. And that'll probably help me build what I want to. And mm-hmm. I can join the forum and join the community there. So that was kind of the early days. And there was a lot of times where, especially learning JavaScript for the first time and learning React and all that stuff, where I'm like, okay, this is getting serious now. (laughs) It's a little overwhelming here. I don't know if I'm doing this right. But I think this is where my music background kicked in because there's plenty of times when you're learning an instrument and you have to prepare a piece where things just aren't going well, but the show must go on. You have to learn that piece. Mm -hmm. And so I I still had that mindset of, well, I'm just going to keep trying and keep learning and figure it out there. Right, right. 
how long did it take you to actually build up enough skills and knowledge to launch the project? So I started about in September of 2020, and I released it in the middle of January of 2021. So I guess yeah, about four, yeah, four months. That's there. really good. Yeah. It was kind of crazy because there were all these issues when I first deployed <laughs> it. <laughs> so I had one of my developer friends help me kind of debug some of those issues. Mm. So that was my first experience of like, oh, deployment stuff. This is fun, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. It finally came together, and there were 20 artist profiles, and there were quizzes that you could take, and a couple other small games that I had added. I was like, this is great. And I even created a YouTube channel and started adding my own stuff there. I was like, this is cool. And so it was great to see the final project Mm -hmm. because it was just an idea for so long and it was just being built and to finally see it deployed somewhere and I could send the link to people was kind of cool. So what was the response to the Black Excellence Project that you launched? Yeah, the response was really positive and people were sharing it. And I wasn't sure how people were going to respond because it's my first one I ever created right. by myself. I was like, right, I don't know if people right. are going to hate this thing. But people really did enjoy it. And they were asking me like, oh, can you speak to my class about this and all this stuff? And I just reached out to my music community and and they were like, oh, I'm going to you know pin this and share it with my students and all this. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then when I came out with version two, there's like, oh, that's even better. you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's great because it's one of these projects that I, I'm just going to keep adding to it as, as my skills grow and as I have all these crazy ideas that I want to put into the project. And it's one of those projects that is just going to evolve over time there. So I know you touched on this briefly, but I'd love to unpack this a little bit more. When you think about your experience, your journey, learning how to play an instrument, and you think about the journey of learning how to code and you know launch an app, how do those two compare? Do they feel similar in any kind of way, or were they you know two different unique experiences? There are a lot of similarities between Mm. learning how to code and launching your first app and then learning an instrument and getting prepared for a performance because initially you feel like you have all this time when you learn about a performance and you're like, oh, that's just, you know, two, three, four weeks away and I've got plenty of time to practice all this stuff. But then life gets in the way. Maybe mm. you get sick for one of those weeks or something. And and then the week before, you're like, oh my gosh, okay, we still have to do this, 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 and this. And then the day of, it's like, well, here it is. It's, it's got to happen. You know, <laughs> like we can't move back That's to the, the performance. Yep. The show must go on. Mm-hmm, there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about the process of building that site and the kinds of challenges you had, especially as a you know new developer learning not just how to build a product, but how to code and how to design. And you know, there's so many different things that go into launching an app besides literally the code, right? So tell me a little bit more about the process of bringing that to life and the challenges you experienced. I think one of the key things I learned was to kind of know where my inherent strengths were and not feel bad about just not being as good in certain areas and and maybe finding another tool to help me out. And so the main thing was design. Mm -hmm. I spent so much Mm -hmm. worrying about design and I am not a designer Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm very creative in other ways, but I am not a designer. And so I spent so much time trying to figure out the best design. And I tried to create my own design for the first version 
but there were a lot of just basic UI UX issues with it and a lot of things I hadn't considered. It was a good learning experience, but in hindsight, I should have just used a library or something or a framework to just kind of mm. help me out, like like Tailwind or something like that. And uh-huh. that's what the version two has is Tailwind to make my life a lot easier. And there's so many templates you can choose from. Right. And there's so many other designs to help you out. And so it's, it's okay to not be great at everything. And so just to kind of focus on the core things there. And then there's some other areas where it's like, you know, I'm going to try my best, but it's okay if I'm not great at it and I'm not going to worry about it. Because I worry so much about just designing everything. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a mess there. (laughs) Coming up next, Jessica talks about what her biggest piece of advice is for anyone who is transitioning careers from one in the arts to one in tech. After this. Tell me a little bit more about what your learning process was like. You mentioned the edX course. You mentioned free code camp. It sounds like you you basically kind of you know did this self taught. You kind of did this on your own at your own pace. How did you structure your time? How did you set goals? And how did you know when you were ready to finally apply for a job? Early on, I had like one goal, which was to build the website, right. <laughs> build the, the Black Excellence Music Project. And so I was like, okay, I need to learn HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Mm-hmm. And I need to learn enough to go build this thing. Mm-hmm. And I need to learn a little bit about Git because I've got to you know, put this up somewhere and <laughs> all this stuff. And so that was my main focus. It's a, I really relied heavily on FreeCodeCamp's responsive web design course mm-hmm. and their JavaScript course. And then I was also intrigued a little bit because I heard people talking a lot about CS50. And so I did a little bit of the CS50 course, mm-hmm. but never ended up finishing it there. But I did enjoy the, the classes I did do. And after I finished the project, I was like, well, I really want to dive a little bit deeper. So let's explore React. And I was really confused at first by React. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know why everybody likes this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I'm not, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. And now I actually love it. But it's in nice. the beginning, I, I was just like, I don't get this at all. I don't get what the hype is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but a lot of it was because I just still didn't understand the fundamentals behind it. So I, I started just kind of hitting the books a little bit harder there, sticking with Free Code Camp, but also just building my own little side projects for better understanding. Mm-hmm. And then kind of flirted with backend and Node and Express for a little bit. Uh, a guy reached out to me on the Free Code Camp forum for some small contract work. Mm. And I was like, well, that sounds cool. Let's go do some of that. And so I did a little bit of that for about a year, just kind of on a small part-time schedule there, just learning to work with a real-world application and just playing around with different JavaScript libraries and stuff like that. And so then I got to a point where I was like, well, I think it's time to at least try to start applying and just see Mm. what happens. And I don't think you'll ever really be 100% ready, but it's like, all right, I I know the fundamentals. I built some stuff. I want to at least try and see what happens and adjust from there. And so that's when I I started really looking at jobs. And I I really started to look at this.labs because I was like, they're so cool. Mm. I love their women in tech mentoring and I love their, you know, JavaScript marathon stuff. And I was like, I really want to work there. And so I applied and I was like, well, let's hope for the best there. 
as you do your job as a software developer today, is there anything about your musical background, your artistic background that you've carried with you into this new position? Or does it feel like, you know, that was a past part of your life and this is kind of a new thing? I guess more so the habits that Mm. I learned. And so mainly with practicing of there are times where I just didn't want to practice at all when I was in school, but yeah, I had to, cause I had an upcoming concert and all this stuff. And so there are times where I'm like, I don't really want to work on this, but I have to, I have you know, the tickets assigned to me. I've got to figure it out. You know, I can't just be like, no, nah, I'm not going to work on this, you know, right, right. just going to drop this ticket and go do something else. Yeah. You know? Right. And so that type of perseverance that you have to have as a developer where things just straight up aren't working and you're like, I don't really understand why none of this is working like it was working fine yesterday and now all of a sudden there's all these bugs and I don't get it and yeah Mm -hmm. actually I just finished a couple of weeks ago a new feature for the site and there's definitely a period where I was like everything I'm trying is failing like I don't Mm -hmm. understand why this is happening but I knew it was gonna work out in the end and so I was like let's just try something Mm -hmm, else mm -hmm. well maybe this is the period where we explore why it doesn't work maybe we're supposed to do that you know so just trying to have like a positive spin on it because I knew it was just gonna eventually work itself out there tell me a little bit more about what you do currently at this dot labs so I am part of the apprentice program Mm -hmm. so it's a program for junior developers uh, those that are just getting into the industry there and they throw you in on projects there right from the very beginning and you get paired with seniors and, and you have mentoring and, and whatnot. But yeah, they just throw you in right in the deep end. Like, mm-hmm. all right, here we go. Right? Right. <laughs> you know? And they start you off with some smaller tickets and whatnot, but then you kind of start ramping up there. But it's great because you really get to find yourself and figure out what you want to do and what areas you want to work in because they have so much diversity within the types of internal projects and client projects that they have going on where you're just like, oh, I really like this aspect of web development or I really like this area. And Mm -hmm. that kind of gives you a a good head start on playing around with different things and deciding, okay, I'm going to spend more time in this area. And I love the mentorship part of it where you just have time with senior developers and architects and you can just bring any question to them and they'll do pair programming sessions or Mm. talk about careers and stuff like that. So it's an incredible program there. So is the role of a developer what you thought and expected it to be? Yeah, I think I I always understood because I think people are like surprised that you're not coding eight hours a day. Mm. But I was like, yeah, it's more so like a business though too. So you're probably going to be in like meetings and stuff. Mm. And so I, I right, wasn't right. too surprised by that mm. because at the end of the day, it's still a business. Right. <laughs> There's still going to be a lot of conversations. Mm. Like, I think when you're working on personal projects, like, yeah, it's going to be all coding all the time and all that stuff and you're doing hackathons or whatnot. But when you're at a business, like you can't just throw together a solution and, and push it to main and <laughs> push it to production and be like, all right, cool. Right, yeah. right. Right. There's so much back and forth. We've got to talk about things. And, and sometimes you just don't know the answer. Like for some of these client projects where it's like, I'm not sure what the answer is or can we you know, correspond with some of the other developers on this project and get some of these answers there? Especially like with reviews too, they're pushing you, especially as a junior developer, to say, okay, well, this works, but is it a good solution? And I think when you're first learning, you're like, yeah, it looks good to me. It works. you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll take it. But then they're like, no, but let's really talk about like, is this good and how we can improve it there? A good company is going to stretch you and, you know, really 
think about possibly, you know, refactoring and why and best practices and all that stuff. So what is your biggest piece of advice for people who may have a background in the arts or, you know, in something creative, not related to technology, not related to coding, who's maybe considering and playing with the idea of transitioning into tech and trying to figure out if it's right for them? What advice would you have for those folks? Don't listen to your preconceived notions or your doubts about what a developer is. And I think I definitely had an idea before I started learning how to code, like who the developer is. And I didn't fit that mold, in my opinion. But once I started learning more about who was in this industry, there were actually quite a few musicians in this industry, a few from the classical world. And I was like, oh, developers come in all shapes and sizes and backgrounds. and Mm. There's a place for me here. So sometimes we just have these preconceived notions of like, oh, you know, unless I haven't been programming since I was nine and went to school and like, you know, built a computer in my garage and stuff like that. Like not everybody does that. And it's fine. And I mean, if that's your story, that's cool too. But like, if if that's not your story, if you're like, well, I'm in my thirties and I want to learn how to code and I'm not sure, just give it a try. And, and, Start off with some free resources there, like you know, free CoCamps, great, and they have a supportive community. And you want to make sure not to code by yourself. That's, mm-hmm. that's really important. You have to be surrounded by a community. And you're going to find some people from artistic backgrounds and you can kind of relate to. And you guys can you know, bond over that journey and grow together there. Now, at the end of every episode, we ask our guests to fill in the blanks of some very important questions. Jessica, are you ready to fill in the blanks? Sure, let's do it. Number one, worst advice I've ever received is? It has to be learn to code in three months. Mm. Probably that one. Okay. Yeah. Who who told you that? Was it all of marketing for every coding program ever? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much like all of marketing, a little bit of Twitter, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Where I I remember the first time I I saw that, I was like, wait, isn't this stuff supposed to be hard? Like, I understand. But I think one of the things is like so many people listen to that and then they look and they're like, oh, I'm three months in and I don't feel ready. And, you know, Mm. it's like, just work on your own timeline. It's totally Mm. fine. Mm -hmm. And just, work at whatever speed is best for you there. Yeah. And I think that the timeline is so different and has so much more variation if you're doing it solo, right? Like if you're doing, you know, a boot camp or a program that is actually done in a couple months, then there's, you know, at least you can budget what you're going to know in the couple months, maybe it, it may not be enough, but you know, you have like some structure around that. But if you're doing it totally alone, there's so many things that can throw that timeline off, right? It could be your exactly. personal motivation, yeah. your own energy level, your own burnout. If you have, you know, a family to take care of, you never know how that's going to impact things. There's just, there's so much more. So I think that especially when you're doing it solo and you're trying to do it self-taught, three months is completely, I mean, three months is already short anyway, but I think right, it's right. even more unrealistic <laughs> when you're, right, exactly. you're, you're doing it outside <laughs> of a, an official program. So yeah, I agree with that. Number two, best advice I've ever received is? Yeah, it's probably going to be what my teacher taught me in college, which was just do it. And he, he used to always say that phrase and get a kick out of it. He would just steal it from the Nike phrase there. Mm-hmm. But his, his whole thing was like, just go for it. Like, stop overanalyzing it. Just try it. Just go for it. 
And I think people talk themselves out of just trying things and they plan out how it's going to fail and how it's not going to work out. And they have the whole narrative written before they even tried it. And so if mm-hmm. you're contemplating learning how to code and it's just, just give it a try. Maybe it isn't for you. Maybe you're like, you know, what? I don't really like this. That's okay. But at least you tried it. It's not a waste. It's, it's an experience. There's plenty of things that I've tried where I'm glad I tried it and learned it wasn't for me, but don't try to overanalyze it and try to write the whole narrative before you even get started. Just dive in, get started, take it one day at a time, one step at a time there. Number three, my first coding project was about? Well, it was actually the, <laughs> the Black Excellence Music Project. Yeah, that was that's the, a big the, one the too. One. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big one for yeah. our first one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number four, one thing I wish I knew when I first started to code is? Don't believe everything you see on Twitter. Twitter's awesome, but you, you can't believe everything mm-hmm. <laughs> you believe on Twitter. Because sometimes people are just posting where they are at their best and all these achievements. And then you get into this you know, comparison game and, and you start getting into imposter syndrome. And you're like, whoa, 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 let's just slow down here. You know, <laughs> We don't know the full story here. And, and so let's... We don't need to be comparing ourselves to so-and-so on Twitter. That's great for them, but I'm just going to do my own path there. Mm-hmm. So Twitter is a, is a great place to be on for tech for a lot of reasons, but you don't want to just live or die by Twitter or, or yeah, any other yeah. social media platform True. for that matter. Like, Just kind of take everything with a grain of salt there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again so much, Jessica, for joining us. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This show is produced and mixed by Levi Sharp. You can reach out to us on Twitter at CodeNewbies or send me an email, hello at CodeNewbie.org. For more info on the podcast, check out www.CodeNewbie.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.